called Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. And I am Avery. How are you guys? All right. We were actually recording a day later than we normally do. Thursday, yesterday didn't work out very well, so we actually are recording on a Friday night right now. Not a ton different. Uh, episode will be a little delayed in coming out. Won't get out till Saturday morning, but hopefully it'll still get out before most of the college football kickoffs occur. Avery, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, just got off work, um, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh, I have a new jersey, Montez Sweat jersey. Got this one off NFL Shop, but uh, I also ordered a DJ Moore jersey off TikTok Shop. And there you go. I, I ordered that back in August, and it just arrived. So right in time for the Bears to get eliminated this week. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting here currently watching Colorado lose to Washington State. Washington State actually just scored again, so they are now down 20, about to be 21-7, to assuming they make this kick. Yep, okay, down 21-7. Uh, sadly, I don't think they are making a bowl anytime this year, but kind of glad this game is on tonight because uh, I will be busy Saturday. As you know, I'm going to be going to Iowa versus Illinois this weekend with my dad, so that'll be a good time. There you go, man. I'm excited for that game, but that's more to continue later. But since you're talking about Iowa, you want to get into our first sports news that we have? Let's do it. First chunk of sports news we have. Um, Iowa women's basketball team ranked number two in the country. Actually just lost yesterday to Kansas State. Unranked team. 65-58. Uh, what happened to Iowa? Just Well, I think it's just the trap game, to be honest. I mean, it's early in the year, right? It's really early in the year. College basketball just started, and they just couldn't shoot the three, man. Like, the girls – that's Caitlin Clark's, like – Biggest thing, and like if your whole team goes two for 21 on three pointers, that's rough. And so, I think that's like the big deal. I think it's one of those games, it's like you burn the film, you uh, you watch it once, you're like, oh, fuck, we, we suck that game, we were just not on. You burn the film and you move on from there. Yeah, it was, it was not a great, great reflection that that's just like you said, they were nine and a half percent from three. Uh, Caitlin Clark herself was 12.5% from the three-point line, so she was definitely having an off day, but that's just crazy. Everywhere else, they looked fairly normal. You know, free throws, they were doing slightly better than Kansas State was. Uh, regular baskets, two points, they were doing okay-ish there, but just the threes is what absolutely killed them, and also turnovers. They turned over the ball 16 times compared to Kansas State's nine times, so that's almost twice as many. When you're doing that, you're not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, no, it's not pretty. And then, unfortunately, the men's Iowa basketball team, they ended up dropping one to Creighton. Um, You know, it's weird because I so wanted to go to this game. I thought I was going to be able to at the time, but then I found out the game started at 9.30. Iowa lost 92-84. to But I looked like 15 minutes before the game started, and tickets were like $4, and like a part of me was like, do I just go to this game by myself? This is the moments I wish you lived in Omaha, Nebraska, right here, because I would have texted you, Max, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> or, or you could live in Cedar Rapids or Iowa City, Iowa, and this could actually happen more often than once a year 
as yeah. I went to a bas- women's basketball game already and could go to plenty more with the stadium being right there. <laughs> fair. That, that is fair. I mean, what you're like a 20-minute drive from Car- uh, Carver Arena? 30, 28, yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad drive. Not a bad drive at all. But unfortunately, but there's some bright spots, right? It's a cl- It was a close game. It was tied going into the second half. And Creighton is a elite 18 from last year. And they returned pretty much all of their starters. And so, Creighton is currently ranked number eight right now. So, I mean, the Iowa loss, or the men's loss is much more expected. The women's loss was a huge upset, probably just a fluke. I wouldn't read too much into it. But the men being able to hang in there a little bit with Creighton, like, that's a decent sign, actually. Yeah, no, and I think that's going to lead us into more in the future this year. I think Iowa's got a good men's program this year. And I'll tell you what, Sanford is falling out this year. And I think I called that at last year when we were talking, who's going to step up for Iowa next year after Chris Murray leaves? Well, Sanford's the guy, I think. I'm going to pull the tape because you like to credit yourself for saying a lot of things. I don't know if you've ever actually said them before. But well, we will check into that. Pull the tape. All right. Well, other news going on in the Big Ten here on a more football-related note. Jim Harbaugh is serving a three-game suspension for the all the stuff, scandals going on in Michigan. Uh, they also just fired their linebackers coach, uh, Chris Par- Partridge. Yeah. I don't know if that's related to all the scandal allegation stuff. They, Michigan declined to comment on it, but you got to think something is going on there, too. For sure. Yeah, no, I just saw that. Uh, you got to think that you like he was in cahoots with Connor Stallion, like because it was defensive signs they were stealing, like or yeah, offensive signs they were stealing. Yeah, because the defense knew every yes. play. And so like the linebacker coach had to know a lot about this. I mean, it's weird that it's not the defensive coordinator. Like you say, like the head coach has to know about what's going on under him. And so, like, are they just trying to find another scapegoat like they did with Connor Stallion? Or is this, like, Michigan as a program all together? Yeah, something about Michigan's program right now is just – because even with the hardball suspension, I saw some stuff that was talking about Michigan's acceptance of it was a little strange. Like, like you're just going to allow your head coach to be suspended. Like, you're not going to try to fight back at all or anything. You're just accepting it, like – should that be a little fishy? Like, do they know something's going on here? For sure. Well, and did did you see uh, Sharon Moore? He's the interim head coach right now. He's the offensive coordinator for Michigan. Did you see his, like, post-game speech when they beat Penn State? That was hilarious. No. Oh, my God, dude. He literally, like, acted like Jim Harbaugh died. He was, like, crying. Oh, yeah. And he was like, this one's for you, man. This one's for you. They want to keep us down. Blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, God, dude, like, he didn't die. He's just. I, a- I did see something talking. I did see something talking about, like, his speech being as if Jim Harbaugh had passed away and wasn't yeah. just serving a small suspension. Like, you're like, calm down there, guy. Like, I, your big first win is an interim head coach, I guess. I get it. But, like, like, let's take it down a notch. For sure. Well, and hey, you know, like this is good for like other coaches on the Michigan staff. Like you mentioned as an organization, what's going on? Like at Michigan, everything seems fishy. But there's guys like Sharon Moore that get to showcase what they have as a head coach. 
Like Sharon Moore, if they lead Michigan to three and zero in the next, which they're already one and zero, so two and zero in the next two games and a big win against Ohio State, also, like that's going to be huge for the Michigan program, and that's going to be huge for Sharon Moore, especially if Jim Harbaugh gets banned by college football this year, because Sharon Moore might be like, "Why go hire someone? I'm right here. Uh, this yeah. is my team." Like the players responded to me being the interim head coach. This is my org. Uh, this is my program. I can build this program, and I can build it to the same level Jim Harbaugh built it. So I feel, it, I feel like we see interim head coaches just fill that spot. Like, oh well, yeah, we're just going to keep you around because you've been doing it. You're already here, so we're just going to keep you on. I feel like I see that quite a few places happening. For sure. So I think that's going to be awesome to see. Also, another college news that we didn't put, Jimbo Fisher for Texas A&M got fired. And it's the biggest payout in college football history. They have to pay Jimbo Fisher a lot of money just not to coach Texas A&M. Which, that's the craziest thing about, I know we've talked about it in the office a little bit, of a Division One job being stressful. But then it was just, it was after the Jimbo Fisher news, they were actually like, is it all that stressful? I mean, think right. about it. You lose your job and you still make millions. Like one year, even whether you keep your job or not, like you get paid more than you probably would be being a D3 coach your whole life. You ready for this? $76.8 millions over the next 10 years. Oh, I know. He gets, yeah, he gets 28 of it this year just to not coach for the next three weeks. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. I need a B8. I need to be a fired college football head coach. Yeah, no, like that is the easiest, I shouldn't say easiest, but like that is like the most stress-free job ever, right? Like, hey, I'm either going to do a good job, and if I don't, I'm still going to get paid a shit ton of money. Like, I would take that in a heartbeat. For sure, 100%. But, yeah, no, Jimbo is now gone also, so Texas A&M has officially. Also, I saw two interesting candidates for the Texas A&M. A little off kilter here. One is Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions as an alma mater, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, why would he leave the Lions? To exactly. Go to Texas A&M. And then the second is Matt Campbell, which started as a graduate assistant at Texas A&M, which I could see because Texas A&M and Matt Campbell, like that, would be a step up from Iowa State. So could we see the Cyclones having a new head coach, especially I, after Matt Campbell? He's righted the ship this year. Like yeah, I think the way the way Iowa State is going right now and everything with Matt Camp, I think he's kind of ready to be out of there. I don't think he wants to be there anymore. Um, For sure. So I think there's a good chance. That makes way more sense than Dan Campbell leaving the Lions to go there. But speaking of uh, college football a little bit, we are going to go ahead and do our Heisman candidate race update. You know, we've missed this for a couple weeks now. We kind of had a week off of it from when we would normally do it. But – Number one, as always, in our race right now, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback out of Washington, uh, still killing the game. Thoughts? Dude, he's a beast. I, that's all I can say. Like, against Utah, I mean, he threw for 332 yards and two TDs. So, I mean, and this year, man, like, just look at the numbers compared to any other quarterback. Like, he has 300 yards more passing than Bo Nix, which is the second leading guy. 28 touchdowns to seven interceptions. This guy is a pro-ready NFL quarterback, and he's showing it in Washington. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking here. Um, the thing with Michael Penix Jr. and 
I've said it before, is just his determination. He went through a lot of injuries early on in his college career, which would have set any quarterback back. And just seeing him perform day out and day, uh, day in and day out, and see him like transition Washington Huskies into a powerhouse. They're ranked fifth right now in college football, and I don't know if Oregon can beat them. I, I know they didn't beat them the first time. And in the Pac-12 championship, I don't know. I don't know because they have a good program in Washington. So it'll be interesting to see who actually competes and ends up taking that Pac-12 championship. But before, yeah, sorry about Oregon. They have Oregon State coming up next week, currently the 10th-ranked team. Um, this could be an interesting game because this could ultimately be the end of the Pac-12 eating the Pac-12, you know. Mm-hmm. Oregon State comes out, upsets Washington. Now nobody's going to be able to crack playoffs just because everyone's going to have one loss all to each other. Which that plays into my uh, prediction of Alabama making in the college football playoffs. It really doesn't because they're still much below like half of these teams. No, Alabama's going to make the college football playoffs. You watch and see. I mean, I know they're still ranked eighth, but they're going to make the college football but that's besides number two, number two, my favorite candidate to win it all, Bo Nix out of Oregon, speaking of Oregon. Uh, Oregon is currently ranked number six. Bo Nix, kind of like you alluded to, 3,135 yards, 29 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, playing a hell of a game. I actually looked up uh, the completion percentages and stuff. He has the highest completion percentage in college football right now. It's impressive what Bo Nix is doing. Like, if he would have, like, a lot of people wanted him to declare for the draft last year. And he would have been a third-round pick, third and fourth-round pick. Now he comes out, and this is like a prove-it season for him. And he's just balled out all year. And Oregon and Dan Lanning is uh, doing incredible things in Oregon, too. So I don't know. Like, you're right. Like, it could be if Oregon State goes out and then like a one-loss Oregon team versus a one-loss Washington team, they could cannibalize each other and neither of them make a bowl game. Um, unfortunate, but it's a real possibility. But Bo Nix is a stud, and I'm going to say that until I'm blue in the face. I wouldn't be opposed to drafting Bo Nix in Chicago. No, I, I would love to take Bo Nix. I, I, would, I still want Michael you. Penix, but I think Michael Penix is a better athlete. Sure. But I have no issues drafting Bo Nix whatsoever. That's if the Bears had Bo Nix next year, I would be all on board. Jersey Bob, like that. Yeah, for sure, uh, dude. All right, why don't you go ahead and give us our next next guy in the race, Mister Jordan Travis from Florida State. He uh, has the Florida State Seminoles that uh, rank fourth right now, two thousand seven hundred thirty-four yards, twenty TDs, and two interceptions. Eighty-one point five quarterback rating. So they play North Alabama next. So you don't think? I think this is a stat game for him. I think he goes out. He throws like four TDs, five TDs, and he boosts his numbers. But right now, he has very pedestrian numbers. And I don't. There's there's a huge drop off at this point. Like you look at number one and number two, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, and they're in the three thousands. They're in the high twenties, getting close to thirty on touchdowns. And then you come down to Jordan Travis, you drop down to the 2000s for passing yards, barely cracked 20 for the touchdowns right there. Even the QBR, he's the QBR you rated, he's the 13th right. uh, highest QBR. 
compared to Michael Penix Jr. is the fifth, and Bo Nix is the third. Guess who has the number one QBR right now in college football? Who? Guess Sanders? Shador no. Sanders? No. Who? You know it. Come on. Who's got it? Who, do you, who did you like to talk about in the Heisman race? Not even mentioned. Oh, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels, LSU, has the number one QBR right now in college football. Okay, we need to put respect on this man's name. I know he's not in our list, but this guy has been balling out for LSU all year, man. How is he not in the top five for Heisman candidates? I genuinely don't know because I want to say – I'm going to go – I'm going to go back and look right now, but I want to say even his uh, passing yards was up there in the 3,000s. 3,164. Yeah. 3,000. He has more than Bo Nix does. Uh, 30 touchdowns. He has more than Michael Penix does. You, you, want, to know the, you want to know the issue The issue on why he's not in the Heisman candidacy, which is has, the biggest issue ever? What? Is LSU is ranked 15th. Yeah. And they have three losses. But look at their team, man. Like, if you look at this, dude, and you just genuinely look at it, their offense hasn't put – they put – the lowest they put up all year was 28, and that was on Alabama. The lowest they put up all year. We can, Our highest we put up is, like, 28 out of the Iowa Hawkeyes. So, no, it's, like, 37. But still, like, it is right there, right there. He is literally carrying this football team into a top 20. He no, he is, he is getting absolutely cheated by what sounds like LSU's defense right now, but just absolutely cheated by the people who come up with the or like do these votes and stuff. Like, like you said, if you're scoring over 28 points a game, and you're saying way over 28 points a game because that's the lowest, that's a minimum, that's not even the average. Average, I'm assuming they're up closer to the 30s, maybe 40, but like when you are having that kind of a high caliber offense and you have three losses, you got to be looking at that defense going, what the fuck, man? Yeah, no. So I just looked it up. The offense now is ranked second in college football and the Tigers defense is ranked 69 in college football. So that's very pathetic. That That is ridiculous. So like it, it's, it's kind of weird because LSU is facing the same odds the Iowa Hawkeyes are just versus like, Flip rolls. Yeah. Well, guess what? The without looking at it, first to the offense, total offense. Where is Iowa ranked out of 130 teams? Uh, 130. 130. 130. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> For total offense, Iowa is 130th out of 130 teams. We now, guess what defense is in total defense. Eighth. Hmm. Eighth. We're in eighth place. Are we? Yes, we are. Yeah. We're in eighth place for total defense. Yeah. yeah, I knew we were in the top ten. I thought it was eight. Yeah, we're in eight right now. Iowa's defense is incredible, top ten defense. And I'm not going to lie. I think in college football, it's more impressive to have a top ten defense than it is to have a top ten offense. For sure. I feel like we, have a, we see a lot of offenses that are out there scoring all the time. There's Michigan. There's USC. There's LSU. Like, we have all these high-caliber offenses going out there just putting on a show. But you're on the defense. Defense is hard to fucking do. <laughs> that, like, if you can stop a team, it is the hardest thing to do to stop a team from moving the ball. For sure. And I want to talk about something real quick, too. I know we're going through Heisman. But 
since we're on Jaden Daniels, like we could see an Iowa Hawkeyes versus LSU Tigers in a bowl game this year. And yeah. it would be really, really weird to see because like what wins? Does the defense step up and win or does the offense? And it's impressive to have a top 10 defense, but at the same time, if you have a high power in offense, it's hard because one big play can change the whole demographic of that game. It's all about the number of shots you can get up. If you can yeah. complete enough shots, you're going to win the game. For sure. Uh, if that matchup came to fruition, LSU wins that. I like I was I was defense. There's nothing they could do um, in terms of their offense. Look, we just said they're 130th in offense. Yeah. Like that ain't going to put up dick against LSU. No, not at all. Because they're not bad. Well, they're bad defensively. They are. They're they're bad defensively. But 69th compared to 130th. Yeah. That's, that's like there, there is 130 teams. So 69th, you're still talking the upper third. Right. Yeah. 100%. But or upper half. Upper half. Yeah, upper half. But yeah, no. So Jaden Daniels, man, he he's my honorable mention this week. I know we don't do honorable mentions, but he's my honorable mention because like over Jordan Travis, even JJ McCarthy, our next candidate that we can get into, but he's better than both of those guys combined. And just because he has three losses on his record, because their defense can't stop Dick, it doesn't matter. He's still keeping LSU in every single game and winning most of their games. So I, I'm in 100% agreement with you there. I think he needs to be given more credit than he is, especially over, as you mentioned, and we'll get into it, J.J. McCarthy, who has 2,194 yards. So that really drops off the cliff right there. Like, you're barely breaking 2,000 yards. Big whoop. 18 touchdowns, not even in the 20s yet, three interceptions. The one thing he does have going for him is he does have the second highest QBR at 92.7. But, I mean, still second highest to number one, Jaden Daniels. For sure. But in, this is going to sound weird because it's from, like, uh, the SEC used to have great defenses in the SEC. And now I feel like they don't. It's kind of became like that Big 12 equivalent that everybody puts up numbers. And the Big Ten, they still hold true to great defenses. Like, And that's why I think J.J.'s kind of a little bit slacking on where he's at with the passing yards and passing TDs. But, like, Penn State has a great defense. Like, um, who else did they play? Nebraska. Like, Nebraska has a really good defense this year. Uh, Indiana has a good defense. Minnesota. So, like, you look at some of these teams and – of course he's going to have lower numbers. It's not always about the stats. It's what you mean to that team. But, and well, in Jaden Daniels, like he does mean a lot to LSU because I guarantee they're a four and eight team like Colorado. If it wasn't for Jaden Daniels and Malik neighbors, but JJ McCarthy, he does mean a lot to the Michigan Wolverines. And I think that's why he is in the top four. Definitely. The way defenses can help out a quarterback with certain things like that or even like you're saying, it's not always about the stats. Yes, sometimes it's about competition, too. Like, I could put up great stats against a fucking middle school team or some shit, you know? Like, <laughs> who are you playing? Like, that's the true uh, thing that has to weigh into it a little bit, too. I don't know if they fully take that into consideration when they do the voting and stuff for this, but I would assume there has to be a little bit of it. I agree, 100%. But I think, uh, speaking of the Big Ten, and speaking of 
uh, this. And we got another non-quarterback on our list still. Marvin Harrison still reigning in the top five, which I really don't think I, – I, I don't understand why he is in the Heisman race. I no. mean, he, he does – This mean is another Heisman. thing. This is another – like, I was trying to figure this out too. And I looked at, like, total receiving yards – uh, yards per reception, fucking touchdowns. He does not lead the, uh, or he's not first in college football in any of those categories. So I don't understand how, like, he's being considered for a Heisman when he's arguably not even, like, leading a single category in re- receiving for college football. Well, and we talked about LSU. Malik Neighbors probably should be getting a lot of this credit right now. He's like he's at 1,284 yards, leading the nation in receiving yards. Ten TDs, which I mean, of course, Marvin Harrison has more, but still, like that's an impressive stat line right there. Um, so I just don't understand. Like I don't understand, and I'm not saying I'm not diminishing because Marvin Harrison is probably the best wide receiving prospect that we've seen come into the NFL in a long time. He does mean a lot to the Ohio State Buckeyes. I just don't think he belongs in the Heisman race. If anything, I think other players like Cooper DeGene or uh, um, Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, or someone like that definitely belong in the Heisman Heisman race. That's a big thing of what you just meant, like Cooper DeGene in the Heisman race. Um, Defense, defensive player right there. When was the last time a defensive player was even considered for a Heisman, because I know we talk about it being a quarter, total quarterback show, which it is. Obviously, there's four quarterbacks in the top five, top four positions even. All the quarterbacks are listed above Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. But it's so, all offensive players. Yeah, so uh, the last time a defensive player received a vote in the Heisman race was in 2019, and that was Chase Young for Ohio State, defensive end. So, yeah, Chase Young. Like, and... The last time uh, Nadama Kasu finished for Nebraska third in the Heisman race. And uh, the last time a defensive player won the Heisman was uh, Charles Woodson in 1997. So, I was born that year. <laughs> yeah. The last time a defensive player in the Heisman race that won it was Charles Woodson, which went on to be a Hall of Fame cornerback in the NFL. But that's the last time a defensive player, and he was also a two-way player. He played a lot of time at receiver, and he played as a cornerback. So that definitely helps his odds. That like you, you can say he was the last defensive player to win it, but I don't even know if you can truly say that when you're considering that he plays both ways. Sure, but that is that's the thing right there. Is just because what stats do defensive guys put up? You know, like Cooper DeGene, outside of interceptions. It's like the stats aren't glorious. I mean, like you, you, can, you can look at you can look at uh, the number of targets that receivers they're covering get, the number of completions the receivers get that like they're covering stuff like that. But those aren't glamorous, you know. Those aren't like oh, two thousand passing yards or a thousand two hundred receiving yards, you know. Like th- that's the issue. Is I just I feel like defensive guys get the short end of the stick a little bit when it well, comes. Things like these. And the last time a player came close was in 2012, and he came second, and it was Manti Teo. And I remember Manti Teo at Notre Dame. I remember the hype, 
romantic tale. A part of it was the sob story of his girlfriend passing when he didn't really have a girlfriend. Um, but it's always a good podcast when you can bring up Manti Tail. I love that story. Just every time you say the name, I just I can't <laughs> help but think about it. I'm like, stop, just stop saying it. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Manti Tail was second, and he lost. He even lost to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. And so, who was that? A quarterback. And so, even at that time, like, a defensive player still, even with the sob story, as dominant as you are in college football, you still will not win the Heisman race. And that's when it comes back. It's a quarterback award. So stop putting these players like Marvin Harrison in it just to get clicks, just to get likes, because you know you're going to give it to Michael Penix Jr. Or you're going to give it to Bo Nix. And that's where college football is kind of stupid in a way because it's like it's not who does the most for their team. Because if you put who does the most for their team – it, the clear winner right now would probably either be Jaden Daniels for the LSU Tigers, or it would be probably Cooper DeGene for the Iowa fucking Hawkeyes. Because, DeGene, I mean, even aside from just defensively, what DeGene does, special teams, like being our punt returner, he's scored multiple times, or at least should have scored yeah. multiple times this season just on punt returns. So um, he still has all-purpose yards. You know, he still has returning yards. He's had interceptions. Like, definitely, I think Cooper DeGene would be a big one who would probably be in that candidacy race. But speaking of Iowa a little bit, we'll get into our college recap. Iowa last played Rutgers um, last Saturday. I watched a little bit of this game. I can't remember last weekend very well. But Iowa did end up getting the dub 22-0. to So you want to talk about defense and Cooper DeGene? Rutgers got zilch on him. I love Iowa defense. I love Iowa's defense. Like every time I watch their defense and it's just a slow death for the other team because they slowly just drain the air out of you. And I love it. It's suffocating their defense. And that's what you want from a defensive team. It's suffocating. And dude, you want to hear something crazy? The last four weeks, Iowa has put up, uh, opposing teams has put up 17, 23 points in the last five weeks. That's the five weeks, 23 points. Just over four points a game. Just over four points a game. And that defense is starting to hit on all cylinders um, against the Rutgers. Like, Rutgers was no slump. They're six, they were 6-3 and three going into that game. And a lot of people said that they were the fourth best team in the conference. Uh, they just, like, didn't care about the West. And because Rutgers has played some good teams in the East. And well, we came out and we showed everybody up because like 22 to zero is impressive. Deacon Hill had the best game of his career. He had 233 yards passing, which was he did not look bad at all. They either switched up what they were doing or he got a little confidence or I don't know what they did, but he actually looked like a decent or I don't want to say good quarterback per se, competent. He's doing much, much better. Compared to the Northwestern game and uh, games before that where he just – nothing was happening for Iowa, Iowa looked like they actually had something of an offense that could string together a few plays. So let me ask you a hypothetical here. Uh, 
Cade McNamara gets a medical redshirt because he, what, played four games or three games for the Iowa Hawkeyes this year. He gets granted a sixth. He'll be a six-year senior at this yep. point. He Which gets, is pretty sad he's coming back. Yeah. So he is going to get a medical redshirt then? Yes. Okay. So is Cade your starting quarterback next year, or is yes. it Deacon Hill? It's Cade. No, I don't I don't necessarily agree. I liked what I saw from Deacon Hill. I mean, I do think Cade McNamara is a great leader for the Iowa Hawkeyes, but at some point you gotta go younger. You do gotta go younger and let this guy develop. You gotta let him develop. You gotta let him see what he has. He's a sophomore, man. He's a sophomore. You can't let him sit on the bench and let him play his senior year and just have a one-year gap. You got to let this guy play unless you redshirt the guy next year, but then you're at the possibility of him transferring. I do think Deacon Hill has all the talent in the world to be a good college football quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to be a great NFL quarterback or anything by that means, but I think he has a lot of potential to be a good college football quarterback. You're not necessarily wrong. Sure, he has great potential like to be a good college quarterback, but your reasoning, like, I, I don't care. Cade is a better quarterback. Like, you're not going to play the better quarterback just so you can get your not-as-good quarterback more snap. Like, that's not how football works. I get that, but this is the second year that Cade McNamara has – or, yeah, second year in a row that Cade McNamara has gotten hurt, season-ending injury. Like, it it goes back to the injury situation. Okay, so play Cade until he gets injured, and then you're going to have Hill playing anyway. Why start Hill? It doesn't make sense because it messes up the continuity of the football team. It messes up the chemistry of the football team. You saw how rocky we looked the last like two games when Deacon Hill came in with not playing. Because Deacon Hill had never started a game before. I agree, but I at the same time, I do love Cade McNamara, and I think he does bring a special quality to the Iowa Hawkeyes, but it also depends who the offensive coordinator is going to be next year. And that is true. We could be looking at a whole different situation offensively based on who they bring in and what they want to do and whatnot. But for sure. even to your argument, though, like, yeah, Deacon could be good and everything. I think we actually have a really good freshman that came in. And so, if anything, like, yes, Cade is going to start. Cade, like, if Cade returns and he comes back, you're not playing Hill over Cade. That's just – that's not a good move whatsoever. You can get Deacon in the game. Like, you can – if we're blowing somebody out or something, like, obviously you play your backups. You get him reps, whatever. But if Cade is good and, like, can play, you play Cade. If he comes back to full potential, like – if he doesn't come back to full potential, I don't know if you play him, man. I, I mean, sure, you open up the you open up the quarterback battle, like that's what I'm saying. That's no, what that's not what you're saying. No, that's not what you're saying. You didn't say open okay. up the quarterback battle and see who's better. You said, oh, you should start Deacon Hill because he's younger. That is what you said. All right, all right. But that, what I'm trying to say is, open up the quarterback battle, and if Deacon Hill looks better, start Deacon Hill. Sure. If he looks better, don't let the name Cade McNamara dictate the situation because that's what Kirk Ferentz has done in the past. I remember a specific situation from 2014 and 2015. We had Jake Rudolph that was a four-year starter for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and we had a sophomore, C.J. Beathard, on the bench. And 
in 2014, 2014, we went with fucking Jake, Jake Rudock all fucking year. And it was sure, there is a level there is a level of seniority to it. Like, especially with Kirk. Like that's the kind of system that Kirk's run. Like there is and you're always gonna have that a little bit, especially if guys are both kind of borderline, like right there on the Fed, you typically go with the more seniority. Like but um now nah, I lost track a little bit because uh that was slightly side commented. But no, yeah, I I said I'm saying you play the battle court. Obviously, if there's a quarterback battle and Deacon Hill is better than Cade, I never, I kind of did say you go with Cade because he's the better quarterback. But that is the key right there. You go with the better quarterback. Okay, and that's what I'm saying. And that I think we were both on two different sides thinking of it two different ways. Um, But there is one more thing, and it didn't happen during the Rutgers game. It actually happened in practice. Cooper DeGene is out for the rest of the year. We've already mentioned how much he means to our program. Uh, and fuck, we this that's just going to suck. I mean, I don't that's- think we lose to we, Newsflash. We play Illinois in the upcoming game. Uh, that's our upcoming game. Max, you will be there. I will be there. Um, we'll, we'll go straight into it since we don't have any more college football recaps. Yeah. But Upcoming, Iowa versus Illinois. It is Iowa Senior Night. It is kicking off at 2.30 p.m. tomorrow. I will be there at the game, praying to God that we don't lose because our best player is out. Well, and I want to say something. Like, it sucks that we lose Cooper DeGene, but he stepped in for Riley Moss, and we have a really great player that probably will step up this week, and I'm hoping Sebastian Castro. He has performed all year. Sebastian Castro has been a beast. And I think this is his moment to shine. And he can say, hey, you know, I'm no Cooper DeGene, but I have juice. I have the juice. I can perform. There are different positions, though. That's true. That is true. So, but still, like, and I'm not talking about, like, on a defensive position, but I'm talking as a leader of that defense. And that's sure. what yeah. that, that's, that's there's plenty of guys that lead that team. Evans. Like this is a yeah. game where like the leader is gonna have to step up because we did lose a big prominent part of our defense and Cooper. there's plenty of guys that lead that defense. Yeah. I'm not worried about leadership with the gene being out necessarily, but it's gonna be hard for everybody else to just kind of pick up that slack of him not being in the backfield, you know, like you kind of open up the possibility for an offense because you don't have to avoid that guy. Right. Oh, he has a broken fibula. So, yeah. I mean, if that would have happened in the beginning of the season, we probably would have seen him back week 11, week 12. Uh, It's not like a torn ACL. I mean, a fibula does take a lot of time to recover. But, and I think the aspect of reason why he will not be playing the rest of the year, one, it's going to take time to recover, but he potentially could have been back for a bowl game. But I think Cooper DeGene has his eyes set on the NFL. I, mean, and I, I would agree. There's, I think it would make sense for him to just – this shouldn't hurt his draft stock too much. You know, I think everybody knows fully well who Cooper DeGene is, how awesome he is, what he does for a team. And if anything, this is just him being like, okay, well – Time for the draft. Like, this is going to get straight. I'll be healed up, whatever. But my, I'm done with college football now. I agree, which sucks because we never would have thought that 
Cooper DeGene's last game would have been against Rutgers and a shutout, which really sucks. Um, what's the rep- repercussions if we lose this game against them? Like, we cl- if we win, we're in. Outside, outside of me being very, very disappointed that uh, the one game I get to go to is a loss, um, the repercussions aren't really much, honestly. No, there's a lot. Um, so I know me and you have both mentioned, um, we both mentioned that we do not want to go to the Big Ten Championship. But with Cooper DeGene out now, I definitely don't want to go. I would have been kind of like, I wouldn't have minded it because I'm a little curious to see how our defense would do against a Michigan or an Ohio State right now because I think our defense is pretty solid. But if we don't have Cooper DeGene, then yeah, that's, that's a rough one to see. And it, it's scary, right? Because like if we win this game, we're in and we just got to face the music. Right? Where is it now? Like, no, no, we have a share of the Big Ten West. There's a potential we're not in the Big Ten championship game. Who who replaces us? So if Nebraska wins against Northwestern and uh, Illinois, no, yeah, if they win against Wisconsin and then beat Iowa in the last game of the year, Nebraska goes to the Big Ten West. They win the Big Ten, or they win a share of the Big Ten West, and they go to the Big Ten championship game. Like, we're not completely in. We only own a share of the Big Ten championship game. Like, or not, we only own a share of the Big Ten West. There's still a potential other schools can make it. I mean, I would have to win two, and we would have to lose two. Lose both of them. Yep, we would have to lose to Illinois. And next week in Lincoln, Nebraska, they could beat us and go to the Big Ten championship, which is disgusting to even think about. I don't like that. So I'd rather face the fucking music and we beat Illinois this week and we go get our ass handed to us by the fucking Michigan Wolverines because I don't want to see the Cornhuskers have a leg up against us and say, well, guess what? We beat Wisconsin this week. Next week we're coming for you guys. And they beat us last year. And there's a the big key will be that if too, if they beat Wisconsin this week, I, there's a good chance that they do it. I don't think Wisconsin is that great and they're still missing their starting quarterback right their starting quarterback is out as well yeah but they and it doesn't matter who starts for nebraska this year at quarterback they suck are you talking about uh i'm talking about wisconsin yeah their starting quarterback still out too tanner uh don't know how to pronounce that last name but yeah no there is still a potential that There's still a potential. But, yeah, Nebraska is actually the second favorite to win the Big Ten West. Uh, which because, is crazy right which now. Which is crazy. Just Iowa and Nebraska sitting at the top is not what I'd say you're probably used to seeing. Iowa, yeah, normally floats around there a little bit. But normally Nebraska floats around the bottom. You have Wisconsin up top somewhere there. So sure. things are looking a little weird in the West. Also, just speaking record-wise in the Big Ten West – uh, there is number one Iowa at five and two, and then there is a one, two, three, three four, four way five tie. way tie. There is a five way tie for second place at three and four. You want to hear a funny thing that I heard? Uh, so, the Big Ten West puts the mid in the Midwest because <laughs> that's what it is. 
They yes. put the mid in the Midwest. It is bad. Which there's another team that could that I would hate to see just because the way they beat us is Minnesota. Minnesota could win out. Iowa loses to Illinois and Nebraska. Northwestern beats Illinois, and if Wisconsin beats Nebraska, uh, Minnesota is in. Which they do have a lot more than Nebraska does to get into the Big Ten. Nebraska just needs Illinois to beat us and them to beat us. And they're in, but yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota plays Ohio State. So oh yeah, no, like, I do not, not think they are in whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah, and Illinois has a good shot too. Like Nebraska loses to Wisconsin, but beats Iowa, and Minnesota beats Wisconsin, and Illinois wins out, so they beat us. Like Illinois has. It's a just shot. the conference, to some degree, is anybody's game right now. It is. It is. And so, like, yeah, we own a share of the Big Ten West, but what does that matter? That doesn't matter shit. Almost it only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Like horseshoes, that, hand grenades, and slow dancing. And slow dancing. There you it's go. Close. close only only counts in horseshoes, <laughs> hand grenades, slow But, dancing. yeah, so, like, it doesn't matter, man. Like, I mean, we just need to beat Illinois because I do not want the game to come down to next week against the fucking Nebraska. That would be terrible. No, I, I want to see two wins. I want to see us beat Illinois and Nebraska – and hopefully put up the best fight we possibly can against Michigan or Ohio State. We don't necessarily know who it's going to be. But I, I'm okay with going to the championship and just having it be rough um, because ultimately I want Kirk to go out on a high note. You know, like I don't know if he he says he's coming back. We don't know. We're a little suspicious about it. But one way or another – I want a good overall season. We're sitting eight and two total right now. Let's finish that up ten and two. I would love that. I would love that because that just shows Iowa is consistent, consistent, and I like consistent. Well, and we already got there, so there's a chance we could lose the next two games. Fuck, that would suck. But anyways, like yeah, college football, man. Big Ten, the Midwest, the Mid. Another another uh, big college football game. As we kind of alluded to earlier, we already mentioned it, but number 10, Oregon State versus number 5, Washington. This is going to be Saturday night, 6.30, so I might actually be able to watch this, be done with the Iowa game, probably be home. Uh, I, I want Washington to win it because I want Washington to keep their up. I would love to see them make the playoffs. They're one spot away right now, but I would love to see them be able to crack into that number 4 spot. I would like it. I think it would be a good like change of pace for Washington to make the playoffs. I know they've made the playoffs once back in 20 I don't know the exact. It was in the early 2000s, but or like 2010s. But I know seeing Washington in the playoffs would be really cool again. So, I do want Washington to go. I, I'm a big supporter, avid fan of Michael Penix Jr. and I want him to be successful. So, I need Washington just to go out, win this game, and not even have it be close. Because I think this is a Heisman game for Michael Penix to show a lot of people up and be like, hey, like I am the Heisman favorite. Yeah, it very well could be too. And I, especially with a top 10 opponent in Oregon State, like that's something to prove, you know? Like that's a battle you can put up and you can say, hey, this is what could be considered an NFL caliber defense right now. Like here's what I can do to it. But – Moving on into some MFL, I think we've talked plenty of college so far. We will go ahead and recap our Bears-Panthers that we had on Thursday night. Now, 
We already, in our last episode, we actually did a bit of a live talk during the game. We kind of covered the second quarter as well as a little bit into the third. But if you missed that, definitely go back and give it a listen. But we will recap the final score, 16-13. That's a Big Ten score if I've ever seen one. But uh, this is the NFL, and the Bears' defense isn't that great. The Panthers' offense just blows as well. Well, and I disagree with what you just said. The Bears' defense isn't that great. We have turned a corner the last few weeks with Montez Sweat. I think the Bears' defense has definitely performed admirable against a lot of teams that people aren't really noticing. I mean, you think about this, man. Like, the last five games since we – like, the Vikings. The last five games Tyson Bajan started. He went – Three and three, by the way, which is pretty impressive for undrafted rookie. So let's give him some credit. Like, you know, Tyson Bajan, he's had ups and downs, but he's undrafted rookie from Shepherd University. This is probably the last time we'll kind of talk about him this year, most likely. But, yeah, I mean, they held the Raiders to 12 points. Yeah, the Chargers scored 30. The Saints scored 24. But the Saints also we, – we turned like, they turned the ball over five times, and they still won. Our offense couldn't get a production. Time management. Well, just right now, looking at the stats, the Bears are in last place for uh, rushing defense, and they are in – one second, let me look at yards per attempt here. Where are you looking at this? E- NFL.com. 2023. Where are they in passing? I'm looking, I'm looking. They're in the top – Half one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They're in twelfth for passing defense. Which so defense is still not great. No, it's not great. It's getting better. I'm not saying they're like horrible. They're getting better. They are getting better. And that's where I'm trying to get my point at. I'm just saying with the Montez Sweat acquisition. I think it has turned our defense around in a way. I think Montez Sweat has been really good for the Chicago Bears. Our front seven is getting to the quarterback. And I do think that we have a potential of upsetting the Detroit Lions this week. Um, But against the Panthers, it was 16-13. to Yeah, two shitty teams going at it on Thursday night. I don't know why they keep putting the Bears on primetime. Keep saying that. Take us off fucking primetime football. I am officially okay with not having primetime games as my season is over. So on Sunday, I get to sit here, I get to watch football, and I get to relax. So Bears play at noon as much as you want. There you go. Yeah, and we have one more primetime game. It's against the Vikings. But, um, no, and I'm okay. Like, this was a win-win game for us. And I know we talked about it a lot uh, because we were doing it. Uh, But winning 16-13, to Cairo Santos had a great game. I mean, he scored the majority of our points. Uh, Tyson Bajant had that uh, one dump off to Deontay Foreman for the touchdown. Uh, But I got faith for the first time this year. Again, like, I know we're three and seven, but I don't want, I don't care if we, like, I don't, this is where I'm at with the Chicago Bears. I know we're not a playoff team, but I want Justin Fields to come out and look like our franchise quarterback. Because one, I don't want to start over with another quarterback. I don't. I'm tired of starting over with a rookie quarterback. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of this shit. 
I just want the Bears to stick with the quarterback. I don't care if he has up and down years. Lamar Jackson had up and down years until he finally figured it out. Like, and now he looks like an MVP. Like, he won the MVP in 2019, and he looks like he might win it again this year. Like, I don't want – like, look at the uh, Cleveland Browns right now. They traded away Baker Mayfield that was perfectly fine in Cleveland. And guess what? Deshaun Watson, he's been battling injuries all year, and now guess what? He's out for the whole year. So this is my mindset. I need Justin Fields to go out and show everybody, hey, I – did before I get got hurt, I threw eight touchdowns and two interceptions in two games, and I can keep doing it. And I'm not saying he's going to do that every single game for the rest of the year because if he did that, we probably might be fighting for a playoff spot. But whoa, I just whoa. slow down. <laughs> but no, well, and that's what I'm just saying. Like I think he'll go out. He'll have one game that he throws 300 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, and then I do think he'll go out and he'll struggle and. It'll be 200 yards, one TD, two interceptions. You got to take the bad with the good. And I think Justin Fields, and the reason I'm saying, and I'm just going to go straight into the Lions update, if that's cool with you. Sure. Uh, the reason I think the Lions, I think we upset Detroit. One, the NFC North is so back and forth. It doesn't matter. It's every, every year it's back and forth. Like, I feel like we split with the NFC North quite often. Like, Either the Bears win one game, Lions win one. Even when the Lions were bad, we would split with Detroit. Even when Green Bay is good, we – well, we never split with Green Bay. They always swept us. But the Vikings, like we always split. Even when the Vikings were good, we would always split with the Minnesota Vikings. So I think this is just that one game that I think we come out and we beat them. Because, one, they're coming off a very emotional win against the Chargers. The Lions, they won 41-38 to with the last-second field goal. Justin Fields is coming back. We see how the uh, football team, like Chicago, reacts to Justin Fields being on the field. And with him being gone for four weeks, I think we're coming out with a lot of juice. And that doesn't even show the potential of DJ Moore, which has been super – well, he's been okay, but he's been quieter with Tyson Bajan. That's Justin Fields. He was perfect with Justin Fields when Justin Fields was throwing him the ball. I think, Do you think Fields being out for four weeks is going to hurt him at all when it comes to trying to get back into the swing of things? Or do you think he comes back in and is just going to mesh perfectly after four weeks of nothing? No, I'm, dude, and this is the way – this is the crazy thing. I think it was the most beneficial thing for him. And you want to know why? He overthinks shit. He overthinks everything. I've noticed that. That's like Justin Fields' biggest fault is he's a big overthinker. And I can portray because I'm a big overthinker. This guy is going to come out, and we even said it. His first two years, he looked like a competent quarterback because he wasn't bogged down with, oh, you got to do this. You can't run the ball. You can't do this. You got to stay in the pocket. You got to worry about this. I think he's just going to go out and he's going to play the style of football he knows how to play. And if that's 100 yards rushing and a win against Detroit, I will take that any day of the week. But I mean, I should... We'll take a win against Detroit with any day of the week. Just Yeah, the, yeah that's a no-brainer. Of course we're going to take a win. You can't not take a win. For sure. So, like, I do think, like, this was so beneficial for Justin Fields to sit out and watch. Even if he's watching from an undrafted rookie, he's still learning. I mean, it's the NFL. There's always sure. going to be a learning curve. 
And, and so I, there's always something to be like, hey, this play didn't work out. Like, what could we have done differently? Yeah. What should we be looking at? Like, no, there's always learning opportunity, whether you're actually in there doing it or just watching it later, watching yourself or watching somebody else. There's always stuff to be looking for, understanding, kind of getting into it. But does would that not cause him to be overthinking then still? Like, if he's on the side watching everything, he's like, okay, yep, no this, no this, no that. Would he not be going in after four weeks and nothing? Like, you don't think he'll be overthinking anything? I truly don't, man. I truly think we're going to see a Justin Fields masterclass this week. And if I'm wrong, like, you can like, just rip me into shreds next podcast. I mean, I hope you're not. I, I want to win some game. I know we're – I want the picks. Like, I don't mind losses at this point, truly. You know, the more we lose, whatever, we're getting a higher pick out of it. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to argue with getting a win. I'm always going to take a win. For sure. I just want Justin Fields to go out and go beat Detroit, beat Minnesota, lose to Detroit, beat Cleveland, beat Arizona, beat Atlanta, and beat Green Bay, and we're 8-9. and nine. And I'm cool with that. That might be optimistic, him going 5-2 and two down the stretch. I think that is very optimistic. And but I'm such a Justin Fields homer, dude. And you know that. I know you know that, and I know you're on the fence with Justin, but I also know you came into the year believing 198% in Justin Fields. I need you to get back there because I do think he is. For me to get back there, he has to show me something. Like I'm not going to be there right now with watching four games with Tyson Badgett in and Justin Fields on the sideline. Like That's not going to make me a Justin believer. For sure. Well, and you know what's funny? We – saw four games of uh, Tyson Bajant, and we still don't know how to pronounce his last name. You just said Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's it's one of the two. I hear Bajant more often than I do Bajant, so I think it's Bajant. I'm just going off what Kirk Herbstreit said on Thursday night, and he said Bajant, and I'm like, that's it. It's Bajant. But I, I, it's the same. It's the same thing with Iowa's receiver uh, Reganey or Raganini yeah. or whatever the heck you know. It's like, what is your last name exactly? I've heard it five different ways in my life. For sure, but no, I do hope we go out and beat Detroit Lions. I actually think, dude, that we have a good shot to shock the world this week. Because guess what? Detroit they play Philadelphia the next week. Like they're gonna. I, I think this is a trap game for Detroit. I hope you so. say trap game more than I've ever heard anyone say trap game in my life. Well, I'm just hoping it's a trap game. I don't know, man. I got I got faith in Justin Fields, and I got. Faith I'm pretty faith sure I've heard you. This is a little off top, but I'm pretty sure I've heard you call something a trap game when you were talking about the favored team winning. Like that's not a trap game. Favorite <laughs> team? What? Like, stop saying trap game. You are obsessed with saying trap game. Well, it's a game, and it's a potentially a game that the Detroit Lions could lose. And I got a feeling that we got a good shot, and that's all I'm saying. That's I, all. I'm hoping for a win. I'd love to see it. I want to see Justin do well. Uh, Wilkie, I don't know. I'm hoping to see some good things. I'm always hoping to see the Bears do some good things, but I'm like I said, any losses the remainder of the season, I'm okay with just for the sake of Let's get some picks. Let's get this team rolling next year. Um, But going back to recapping a little bit, one more game I thought mentioning 
recap wise, Bills versus Broncos. What the hell is wrong with the Buffalo Bills right now? They actually lost to the Broncos 24-22. Now, are the Broncos just turning it on? Are they starting to flip things around a little bit? Or are the Bills, like, just in crisis? No. Um, so, I think a mixture of both, in my opinion. One, the Buffalo Bills fired their offense coordinator after this game. Ken Dorsey, he's gone. Uh, Joe Brady's the interim offense coordinator. He was actually the OC for the LSU Tigers during Joe Burrow and the 2019 Tigers. And he was also the Bills quarterback coach. Yeah, he was the Bills quarterback coach. So one thing with this is Josh Allen is not having a good year. And we saw the decline of Josh Allen last year. And we said, oh, it's Josh Allen. He'll figure it out. Well, he's not figuring it out. And I'm ready to compare him to someone that people might think this is insane. But I'm seeing a lot more Jay Cutler than I am seeing Dan Marino right now and Josh Allen. Jay, Jay Cutler had the cannon arm. He could throw 300, 400 yards a game, have three TDs. But the next game he'd go out and he'd have 180 yards and three picks. Well, and that's the thing with this game, too, is the Bills, when you look at the stats, the Bills actually had more total yards than the Broncos did. More total yards. They had more passing yards, more yards per play. No, more rushing yards. Passing yards, they were one off. So, like, they were pretty much tied for passing yards. But more yards per play. All the, all the stats looked completely in favor of the Bills, except for one. There was one stat. Um that favored the Broncos. Can you guess what it was? Turnovers. Turnovers. Two interceptions, two fumbles by the Bills, only one turnover. I think it was an interception by the Broncos. So, yeah, great. Your offense, in theory, beat the Broncos. Your offense did. You beat the Broncos' offense. But you turned it over four fucking times, and that's not how you win games. Well, and then on the flip side of things, you said, is it the Broncos turning it on, or is it the Bills in complete disarray. Um, if you look back at the last three games, the Broncos have won three games straight. And yeah. it was against the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Bills. And so right now, like the Broncos, I think the major aspect is when you, whenever you get a new coach, how good that coach is, it always there's always a learning curve, and it always takes time to buy into their system and the way they do it. And I think the Denver Broncos are finally buying in to Sean Payton. And Russell Wilson has turned it around officially. I, I'm about I don't know if he's back to the Seattle Seahawks Russell Wilson that led him to the Super Bowls and the playoffs. Maybe not quite. But he is turning it around from being one of the worst quarterbacks in the league to a decent starting quarterback. And he knows where to go to the ball. And I think their relationship is growing between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And it's fun to see the Broncos good. Like, I yes. do like the Denver Broncos. Like, it, it, it's kind of weird because in a weird way, Colorado Buffalo started losing. And then the Denver Broncos have picked it up, which is really cool to see. I mean, in theory, when you think about it, last year, both teams were just atrocious. That's, that's fair. Um, but, yeah, no, I am – uh, I actually am in support of the Denver Broncos right now, and they do have a good shot. They they have a good shot at making the playoffs. They, like, they can, I mean, just like you said, look at the past three opponents they beat. They're all 
well, not the Packers. The Packers suck now. Yeah. But, like, taking down the Chiefs and the Bills, even though the Bills do look like they're having their issues, like, you got – that's some good momentum going right there. Three wins, sure, but two of those wins being really high caliber, like, big team wins, you got a really good shot. Honestly, the Broncos, I think they do make the playoffs at this rate. Well, and that's funny that you say because they do play the – most hottest team in the NFL right now, and the Minnesota Vikings this week. But first, let's go in order here. Bills versus Jets will be the Sunday afternoon game, 325. Will Joe Brady do a better job than Dorsey, or is that not an issue of the coordinator position? Thoughts? I do think it's a – I don't think it was Ken Dorsey. I think it's Josh Allen. I think something – Ever since he lost Brian Dable, his offensive coordinator that created Josh Allen, that taught him from when he was a rookie, like I think he's just been in complete disarray. And I think the New York Jets is not a team you want to face because they're scrappy. I know they lost to the Raiders last week, but that's on with the interim head coach, and the Raiders are fighting for a bigger purpose than the Jets are right now. They're just hanging on with Zach Wilson until Aaron Rodgers comes back, if he comes back this year. Yeah. Um, that defense, though, for the New York Jets is scary. Like, they are a top five defense in the NFL. So when you come off the Denver Broncos, which are kind of figuring it out on the defensive side, but and then you go and face a top five defense and your confidence is in the shitter and Stephon Diggs is taking shots on, at you on Instagram, that's not a place you want to be. No, it, it, not It's not a place you want to be at all. And this so, is definitely the danger zone for the Bills right now and Josh Allen. And if I were Joe Brady, I'd be a little bit nervous too because, like you said, if there, I don't know if there's much a quarter, coordinator can do. Like, if it's a quarterback issue, like, what do you want me to call? Like, what am I got? Like, this will be – this could potentially be a real hot game for him because if they don't score many points against the Jets at all, you got to be thinking, did we make a mistake? Well, and here's this. You ready for this? This is do or die for the Buffalo Bills. This is the make or break of the season because they are 5-5 five and five right now. Do you want to hear their next four opponents? The New York Jets, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Los Angeles Chargers. So a lot of good and very hot teams right now. Yeah. Uh, so very realistically – they could be five and six, five and seven, five and eight, five and nine, five and ten within the next five weeks if the Bills don't figure it out against the New York Jets this week. And that's scary. That, that is a scary situation to be in because we've been so used to the Buffalo Bills being a constant playoff team. The last four years, the Bills have been in the playoffs for the last four years. If we don't see this this year or this week against the New York Jets, the Bills might end up having their season go down the drain. And that's a lot of pressure on that interim OC. Like, hey, you got this great high-caliber competition that we're expecting you to score some points with Josh Allen. Good luck. That's um, and I'm curious to see how that goes, what happens there. But getting into the next game, that evening slot on Sunday, as you mentioned, Broncos versus Vikings, two teams that are kind of hot right now. Yeah, man. Um, so the Broncos, we kind of talked about the Broncos, so I just want to jump right into the Vikings here. The Vikings, man, they are on a five-game win streak right now. Three of them came from 
quarterback, uh, Kirk Cousins, having a great year, and then he went down with the injury, right? Uh, and then they make that trade for Josh Dobbs, which he did it again last week against the Saints, uh, 27 to 19. And man, they're fun to watch. I hate it because, like, they're the Vikings, like, they're in the NFC North, but they're fun to watch right now. And it all started with the Chicago Bears win when Justin Fields went out hurt, and they just kept rolling from here. Um, to be honest, I think this is where the Vikings' hot streak ends. I do think Denver beats them in this game. I think I think Denver's hot streak is hotter than the Vikings right now. Like you said, they just beat the Bills and the Chiefs, two of the arguably hotter teams in the AFC. Yeah, just AFC. I don't need yeah. that direction. <laughs> but no, so the Vikings, like they're they're good, but ultimately Josh Dobbs, they do have a backup quarterback in there. They do. Um, not that they would be a ton better off with Cousins, but I don't know Broncos. Broncos heat is a lot more, but the big thing too, I ju- I was having a thought. Oh, Justin uh, Jefferson, he's back this week, isn't he? No, no, no not so yet. One more week. One he, more. Com- he comes back against the Chicago Bears, actually. Oh, so fun. that's that, that's lovely. Um, but wouldn't it be poetic if the Broncos do lose this week and then the Vikings uh, lose to the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football? So when their hot streak started, like, we just end it. And we're like, all right, well, your six-game win streak, it's over. If Chicago wins it, it's fine. Um, but I don't know if you can consider Josh Dobbs a backup quarterback at this rate. He's technically started all year. He's started all year. And so that's what I was about to say. Like, I do not think he's a backup quarterback because he hasn't looked like a backup. Usually backup quarterbacks, they come in, they, you know, have like two or three good, good games where you're like, well, maybe he could be a starter, but then like the other shoe drops and it's like, oh yeah, this is why you're a backup quarterback because you can't put it together all year. Josh Dobbs has put it together all year. And so I think Josh Dobbs, not only because I know the Vikings were like considering moving on from Kirk Cousins, I think the rest of this year he's auditioning for the Minnesota Vikings to be their starting quarterback of the future. And so, like, with that being said, I think Josh Dobbs has a lot more to play for than Russell Wilson right now because I don't think Russ is like after what they've done the last couple of weeks. I don't think I think Russ's job is safe, specifically only because of his contract. Yeah, no, Russ. Russ's job is plenty safe. Like, he's still Russell Wilson. Like you said, he might not necessarily be the same Super Bowl-winning Seattle Seahawk Russell Wilson, but that guy is in there somewhere, and obviously he's showing a little bit or flashes of it right now, so I think he would be fine. I do like Dobbs as a Viking a little bit, though. I I, I want him to start somewhere. Like you say, he's, he's been doing a good job. He's a smart guy. He's a fucking astronaut, for crying out loud. But he's. I think he's more than deserving to be a starting NFL I agree 100%. So, like, that's going to be a game to circle and watch. And I'm glad it's on Sunday night football. should be a good game to watch. Now, next night, Monday night football, we will have Chiefs versus Eagles. Two powerhouses. Arguably, it could be a Super Bowl this year. The Kelsey Bowl. Yes, the Kelsey Bowl. Oh, man. This is going to be the best Monday night football we probably see all year. And watch it turn out to be the worst game ever. Watch it being like, 13 to 10, like boring game. They went on like a last second field. Game. How how can you say that when we watch Iowa play every fucking week? <laughs> and games like 10 to 3. 
That is fair. There is not much of a game that can get worse than that. Um, but no, I'm excited, man. I think that's going to be a good game. Um, one, and I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Matt Nagy has hurt the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They had their offense has not looked the same without Eric Bieniemy. It's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Travis Kelsey. I mean, they still have a good like team there, and they have good players there. But Matt Nagy has hurt from the play calling standpoint. I'll go into my other section is the Philadelphia Eagles. Though they've also struggled. Jalen Hurts has had an up and down year, but they're still two of the best teams in the NFL. And I do think that having a little bit of a struggle this year compared to last, but also like. Super Bowl matchup. <laughs> yeah, rematch. Well, and how can we say struggle when we're Bears and Iowa fans and they still put up like 22 or 23 points a game? Like, because we because we can view we, with relativity and we can yeah. look at last year and say, oh, they looked a little better last year. They must be struggling. But I do think that this is the Eagles coming out game. And I do think Jalen Hurts uh, – Shows everybody, hey, this is why I'm here in Philadelphia. I am the Eagles starting quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts is still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Oh, he's maybe top five. Like, I think he's still top five quarterback in the NFL. And to be honest, at the end of the both of these guys' career, I think Jalen Hurts might have more Super Bowl wins than Patrick Mahomes. And that's a bold statement, but as a decent chance of it. I would not disagree with that, though, especially just thinking about everybody else that he has around him, helping him pull it off and get there. I think there's a very, very strong case that uh, he ends up with another ring. But we will find that out on Monday night. That is all the time we have for you guys today. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Please like and subscribe. Go watch last week if you didn't. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about this week's episode. We want to hear your guys' feedback. Please leave your reviews. Well, you kind of took my thunder there with uh, like and subscribe. So I got two words to say. Bear. Bear.